0: The Chargers offense has not lived up to expectations in 2022 for a variety of reasons. A ton of injuries, a struggling offensive line, but I also think it's fair to question whether the Chargers are using their star quarterback, Justin Herbert, correctly.
1: You are Locked On Chargers, your daily
0: podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, and welcome into the Lockdown Chargers Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co host, David Drogemeyer, and we've been covering the Chargers together now for six seasons. But this is our fifth season as a host of the Lockdown Chargers Podcast, bringing you your team every day. Thank you guys so much for making this your first listen. To make sure you never miss the show, go subscribe to the Lockdown Chargers' YouTube channel and also follow the show for free on all platforms wherever you get your podcast from. And David, it's our Chargers mailbag day today and we're getting into your guys' questions, including starting with if the Chargers are using Justin Herbert correctly, the way that they've been deploying him, maybe there's some other ways they could try to get more out of him, including talking about Joe Lombardi's play calling and how much that has maybe held him back a little bit. And then we're also going to get into if this Chargers offensive line needs an entire makeover during this offseason, because we've all seen how much it struggled, but there have also been a lot of injuries too. How far are they away from having a good offensive line? And we'll also talk about Corey Lindsay, Joey Bosa, and why the Chargers have been so bad stopping the run as well. But today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, David, well, we want to get into some of these Twitter questions that we have here. And thank you to everyone who hit us up at Locked on LAC on Twitter and put your questions in for today's show. We're starting with Van Tucker, who asked, question, what is Justin Herbert's percentage on bootleg throws and play action compared to his drop back throws? Was thinking he was one of the best outside the pocket throwing the ball all of last year. So first, I think, I mean, throwing the ball out of the pocket is not necessarily always play action, but we do have the numbers for play action and no play action. And One thing is for sure, David. Justin Herbert is a much better quarterback when they're doing play action. And they're frankly not doing it enough.
1: No, they are not. And he absolutely is a better quarterback when they're doing play action. When he, when the Chargers are running play action for Justin Herbert, he's completing 73.4% of his passes and his yards per attempt are at the highest of the different categories, whether it be screen play action, no play action and nine touchdowns to only one interception. So when they are using play action, and they're using his athleticism they're letting him roll out of the pocket and they're letting him get a little bit of time with a little bit of deception that goes a long way for Justin
0: yeah for sure I've talked about it before you don't necessarily have to be good at running the football to be effective on play action and I mean that proves itself here because yeah the yards per attempt in play action 7.6 on non-play action 6.1 that's a substantial difference you said you know nine touchdowns and one interception, non-play action, 11 touchdowns and six interceptions, right? Not even twice as many. And you have nine times as many touchdowns as interceptions when they're going play action. The thing that bothers me is that the Chargers are doing the exact amount of play action that they did last season when they had a very healthy offensive line for the most part. Obviously, besides Brian Bulaga, they had Storm Norton, but it was much, much more manageable as we've seen than this version of the Chargers offensive line, which is all banged up and has been really, really bad, especially over the past month or so there's been no change right like you can't just keep he's dropping back right now 72 and a half percent of the time just pure drop back no dressing on it right just him dropping back with no fake or anything like that and he's getting teed off on frankly really oh yeah just for comparison justin herbert's throwing on play action right 27.5 percent of the time almost identical to what he did last season in 2021 it's 0.1 percent different Je- or Tua Tonga Vailoa, great example. They're playing against each other this weekend. He's throwing play action on 44.5% of his dropbacks. That's, That's almost 20 crazy. more percent than Justin Herbert is. And obviously, he's having a career year. Mike McDaniels is obviously getting a lot of love for his offensive scheme. And they have, you know, guys like Tyreek Hill and Jalen model and other factors yeah. to that as well. But the other part of it, David, with the play action is it gives Justin Herbert. Almost, I mean, .32 seconds more time to throw when they go play action, which might not seem like a lot, but in the NFL world, that's actually a really, really big number. If you can buy your quarterback half in another second in this situation, I mean, you absolutely have to do it, especially when last year, David, they didn't need to do it as much. Justin Herbert was much better just straight up dropping back. We have seen this year with the constant pressure he's under that he hasn't been the same and he's much better when they can protect him a little bit more and protect their offensive line a little bit more with more play action.
1: Well, Daniel, how many times have we heard people say Justin Herbert is a premium decision maker? And so if you give that premium decision maker just a little bit more time to make a better decision, then maybe he can throw the football down the the field a little bit further. Maybe he can see somebody that's going to come up in just that split-second amount of time that you're giving him. That is the difference between him throwing a check down and him taking a shot down the field where he feels like he's going to be able to make a play. And talking about throwing the ball down the field, Justin Herbert has 12 big time throws, according to Pro Football Focus, and only two turnover worthy plays over 20 yards. So when he is throwing the football down the field, he is making those good decisions. He's just not doing it enough. And that falls mostly on the play caller, Joe Lombardi.
0: Yeah, that has a lot to do with it for sure. And I mean, I think the other big thing is even though the play action is working a lot better for the Chargers this year. So much of the play action for them has just been, you know, just pitching it out to Gerald Everett or Josh Palmer coming back across the field, the five yards deep, right? The average depth of target is at 5.8. When you are doing those play action plays, you do have to push the ball down the field more. Last year, it was almost three yards more as far as where they were targeting receivers down the field, which is a gigantic difference when they were doing play action. They're not getting as many play action shots. The pressure has a lot to do with that as well. Yeah. But I just think that obviously the numbers are bearing themselves out, and it's just frustrating to see them doing the same thing they were doing with a worse offense or a better offensive line last year, trying to roll that out with, you know, guys like Will Clapp and Foster Cero out there trying to protect mm-hmm. Justin Herbert. But the point you bring up about Joe Lombardi is obviously something that's huge in Chargers Twitter, Chargers social media, and one of the most hated people in the Chargers organization right <laughs> now, according to yeah. social media. So let's get into one about Joe Lombardi specifically. This is from Eden Natoli who asks. Shouldn't Telesco and Staley move on from Lombardi right now? That gives Bulls some cover and shows the frustrated fan base that they aren't blind to the underperforming offense. Injuries have been crushing, but still uninspiring play calling each game. Getting hard to watch. Go Bolts! Well, thank you, Eden, for writing in. But David, what do you think about that? Is that something that you think is still actually something that has to be talked about at this point in the season?
1: No, not at all. I'm sorry to to tell people out there that are coming for Joe Lombardi's head. There's absolutely no way that the Chargers are going to fire Joe Lombardi right now, and there's one specific reason behind that. The Chargers are still in it. They are still in the playoff race. They still have a chance. I understand that it might be a slim chance, but they still have a chance, and it's too late in the season for anyone to come in, make any kind of conceivable change that is going to be you know, something that you can see that's tangible. It's just not going to happen. I don't think there's any way unless the Chargers are completely eliminated. And even then, I think it's just slim to none, that anything happens until after the season concludes.
0: And that's why we talked about during the bye week, right? Hey, if there was a time to do it, if you want to see what you have at Shane Day, there was an opportunity to do it there. You can't change the offense midweek going up against new opponents. It's just not going to happen at this point of the year. But well, I mean, I think the more important part of it, though, is if they should get rid of Joe Lombardi or not, right? Because it is going to be two seasons for Brain and Staley not making the playoffs. Both Mike McCoy and Anthony Wynn made the playoffs within their first two seasons. Yeah. But he still is over 500, and Staley has a lot. It's still on a different scale than when you have Justin Herbert. I mean, the expectations are a lot higher. What you're going to have to do with Justin Herbert just being over 500 is not good enough. Like we talked about yesterday a little bit, right? That's not the, where the bar has to be set. It has to be set much higher than that. Yeah. And it's an impossible evaluation to make totally on Joe Lombardi. First of all, he has to finish the season. I don't know how much he could do to save his job at this point. I think you would have to have really good performances against teams like the Broncos who have a good defense, teams like the Titans who have a good defense, right? Maybe that shows you a little bit. To me, with the injuries, with how bad the offensive line has been, it's not totally fair. But for me, it's just a preference thing at, at this point. I think I just don't see enough creativity. I don't see enough innovation. And I think when you have someone like Justin Herbert, he's going to cover up a lot of the flaws, which I think he did in 2021. Right. Yeah. I think you're seeing that come back to bite them when they are having to rely on it so much more with even less help around him this year. And I mean, the spacing to me, isn't good. There's not enough RPOs. They're not getting him on the move enough, right? The routes are not setting up the other routes to clear out places in, in, Really limiting the yards after the catch because everyone's so bunched together that you're not actually getting guys in areas where there are not very many defenders, right? Everything seems so clogged for this Chargers offense. Yeah. And it seemed like that a lot last year, David. And it's nothing against Joe Lombardi, right? He's had a tough break this year for sure. To me, it's a preference thing. I'm going to be trying to turn over every stone to see if I can match a very innovative offensive mind with this
1: generational talent to enhance Justin Herbert, to make him better to put him in the position to use his otherworldly, ungodly talents to go out there and do what he is capable of doing, I agree with you. I just don't think that this Chargers offense is innovative or creative, neither in the passing concepts or in the running game either. I think it just has to be completely overhauled at this point. I haven't seen anything inspiring from Joe Lombardi as a play caller.
0: Yeah, and I mean, it sucks because – It wasn't even Brandon Staley's first option to go with Joe Lombardi. He wanted Mike McDaniels, the Dolphins head coach. After that, he tried to get Kevin O'Connell, right? So he was trying to get guys from the 49ers and the Rams before that. And then both of those moves were blocked, and they had to end up going with Joe Lombardi, which is the third option. To Natoli's point, though, yeah, I mean, it does need some cover. If you're Brandon Staley, I think you have to kind of sell, like, hey, you know, we need better from this offense. We have to try to change something. And really that should be on both sides, offensively and Absolutely. defensively. I mean, defensively, if you're brand stable and you want to be that stubborn about your defense and how well it works, you better find better coaches who can implement it better because it's not yeah. getting, it's getting lost in translation somewhere because these players just aren't getting in. It. It's not actually moving onto the field and, and, you know, doing anything for you defensively because your defense has been terrible, but we do have more to get to with this chargers mailbag. And we have a lot more great questions. On Twitter and we have a voicemail as well to get to but next we're going to be talking about how the Chargers how far the Chargers are away from having a good offensive line do they have to blow the entire thing up with how bad we've seen it this year even through all the injuries so we're going to get into that coming up right after this but first I need to tell you guys about something that is revolutionizing the car rental game and I'm talking about Turo Turo is the world's largest car sharing marketplace with Turo you can book any car you want wherever you want it, from a community of local hosts. Basically, you go on Turo, and they're going to give you a bunch of cars that you can choose from, whether you're trying to go with something flashy for a big event, right? If you just want to try that new electric vehicle that's out there, you can do that too with Turo. I was blown away by the cars that were in my neighborhood. And I just think that everyone kind of has a bad story trying to rent a car, right? It can be such a pain all the time when you end up going or traveling and doing things like that. Turo is changing all that. You can browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget across the U.S., the U.K., Canada, and Australia. You can find affordable economy cars if you're on a budget and just need to get from point A to point B. You can find whatever you want at Turo.com. And many of the Turo hosts can even deliver the car right to you, which is also a game changer. But every trip is backed by liability insurance, terms and conditions, and exclusions apply. Forget boring rental cars and find your drive at Turo.com. Let's continue this Chargers mailbag here, getting into it with Quinn Aulo, who asked, question on the Chargers O-line situation. Do they need a complete revamp like the Chiefs in 21 and the Bengals in 2022, excluding Rashawn Slater and Corey Lindsley? Or is it just a case that they need their original starters to be healthy? But if they're not healthy, what's the point? All right, David, I mean, I know we've been talking a lot about this Chargers offensive line. How far away are they? What is the answer to making it better? Because obviously when you have someone like Justin Herbert, you need to do everything you possibly can to protect him. They spent back-to-back first round picks on it. They made Cory Lindsay the highest paid center. It hasn't worked out so far. Where do you go next?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think that's definitely a a solid point there, but Corey Lindsley in the middle is fantastic. Obviously, when he's out there, he's a true difference maker. We'll talk about him. Rashawn Slater is a phenom. I mean, the fact that he he went out there his rookie season and was an all-pro is just unbelievable. It's insane. But I think the problems here if you look at this offensive line for the Chargers, it lies at left guard for Matt Filer and at right tackle with Trey Pipkins. And Trey Pipkins has played fairly well this year. I feel like when he's been out there and he's been healthy, he has been a pretty dang good right tackle. And I got to give him a lot of credit because when he first came into the league from a very small school out of Sioux Falls, nobody knew who he was. And when he got on the football field, it was not a pretty sight for a very, very long time. So credit to him for turning himself into a legitimate right tackle in this league. But if there is an area to upgrade, I think it would be right tackle and that left guard, and there might be an in-house option for left guard if things shake out the right way.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, Jamari Sawyer, but I, it, I don't think they're very far away, truthfully. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, the problem is is you have so many other significant holes now, right? So it's not as easy as we thought maybe going into this season where it's like, okay, you know, 2023 20, rolls around, you get a right tackle in the first round and you call right. it a day, right? Now it feels like you kind of want a speed receiver in the first round, right? A really dynamic receiver. You want an edge rusher. rusher. You want a dominant defensive tackle, right? Like there's a lot of different ways you could go now. And right tackle is another one of those things. But I think, honestly, for me, this is what I do if I'm, you know, trying to get the most out of the Chargers offensive line. I don't think it's very far away. And they also don't have a ton of resources cap-wise to do it. Yeah. I released Matt Filer after this season, who's taken a step back in 2022, played very yeah. well last year. I don't think it was a terrible signing by the Chargers. No. And I think he's been hurt by the Corey Lindsley injury as well. Sure. You release Matt Filer, you save six and a half million dollars. Yep. You move Jamari Sawyer to left guard, right? And he can also be your backup tackle in yep. a pinch if you need to, right? Because he's shown the ability to play tackle now. And we know that. And I'm re-signing Trey Pipkins. First of all, I think his value is not going to be what, unfortunately, he wants it to be after the season now because nah. of the season that he's just had. Yeah. But I feel okay with an offensive line of Rashawn Slater, Jamari Sawyer, Corey Lindsley, Zion Johnson, and Trey Pipkins. I mean, I mean, I would sign up for that next year because then you can just add to the depth, right? I agree. You can get another interior guy, but you don't have to make it a first-round pick. You can get another tackle, but you don't have to make that guy a first-round pick. You can go for budget free agent signings, a guy like Ode Abushi. Remember, he came in under $2 million and played a big role for you. Those are the kind of guys you need to build his depth. If you can get those first five guys locked up, now you're just trying to build depth instead of just trying to go out there and try to find one giant, really good player I agree. Fix it. And that also has to do with me just having a lot of faith in Zion Johnson figuring it out, too. I mean, it's been up and down as a rookie. Yeah, Sean Slater gave us a very you know unrealistic expectation for first-round offensive lineman. Yeah, I think yeah. Zion Johnson's going to be good. So I think you pair Definitely. those moves with a leap from Zion Johnson. I think you're where you need to be offensively. I think the bigger thing for the offensive line is there's no real identity as far as like this is not a very physical offensive line that's pulling people out of the water. Even if you get those five dudes together, unfortunately, right? right? Can they be a better pass protecting line? Absolutely. So we'll see how it goes because when Rashawn Slater's in there, they're a much better running team as they showed last season. Absolutely.
1: Too. Rashawn get, Slater's a unicorn.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, he so so important. You're missing two All Pros from this offensive line of last week. You know, so it's it's been really tough. But let's get to this one from Sean Liu who asked. Do you think Corey Lindsley is the most important player on offense that isn't Justin Herbert? Every time he doesn't play the offensive line, it seems like an absolute mess, which affects everything the offense tries to do. Well, listen to this, David. Without Corey Lindsley on the field, the games he's missed all of the games, right? Jaguars game, the Denver Broncos game, the Raiders game, right? And that's not including the games he had to leave at halftime where they did terrible in the second half, which we've seen as well. They scored 14 points a game. If you take away the defensive touchdown from last week against the Raiders, when Corey Lindsley wow. is out of the lineup, with him in the lineup, it's 24.8 or uh, yeah, 24.8 points per game with him. So almost That's 25 insane. points. Per game. That's an 11 point difference right there, David. That's how important this dude has been. I mean, it's not all just that. There's other factors as well. True. But yes, I mean, he. Uh, uh, it's tough. Is he the most important player? I mean, those numbers say a lot. I think.
1: Yeah, and I think the the reason why there's some some hesitation there is because Keenan Allen is a, extremely important to this offense too, and what he is a, able to do with Justin right, and that chemistry, Austin <laughs> Eckler too, obviously. I mean, he he's just a, a touchdown machine. All he does, even at a devalued position,
0: it's hard to imagine this offense without Austin Eckler and all. Oh the yeah, yeah the amount of around.
1: receptions that have gone to his way. I mean, just being that safety valve for Justin. Yeah, but I mean, I think. Corey Lindsley is the reason, and I've said this several times, but it, it it bears repeating. He's that force multiplier. He's so good that he makes everyone around him better on that yeah, offensive line. Exactly. And they really need all the best protection that they can possibly get for Justin Herbert. So I think you can make an argument for Keenan. You can make an argument for Austin Eckler. But I think the real true right answer is definitely Corey Lindsley.
0: Yeah, I mean, he has a great argument for it. Like, I mean, Rashawn Slater, too. I mean, missing both those guys makes it a lot tougher, too, because some of the games Corey Lindsley's missed, you've been without both of those guys. Sure. And that's a huge deficit to try to face when those are your two premier players that you have. Uh, It it is tough. I mean, Akeem Allen is so important. Austin Eckler is so important. I think Corey Lindsley's right there with those guys. Who is more important between him and Joey Bosa, though? Because those are two players who are all pro-level players, right? And the Chargers have been missing both of them in key games so far this year. So we're going to talk about that, what the Chargers, if the Chargers will, I mean, try to totally clean house offensively if they decide to move on from Joe Lombardi. And also get into the Chargers' run defense and the main reasons it has been historically bad in 2022 so far. So we're going to get into that coming up after this. But I do need to tell you guys about the official betting sponsor of the Lockdown Chargers podcast. I'm talking about betonline.net. BetOnline is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. That's really where they separate themselves from other betting websites. It's not only can you place all the best bets there, but they will give the information that you need right to you so you can be the most informed that you can be when you're going to make those bets. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer to esports. They've got it all at BetOnline.net. At BetOnline, they have the Chargers this weekend as a three-point underdog. It'll be interesting to see how that line moves this week. We'll talk. With Kyle Krabs about that tomorrow in the locked on Chargers, locked on Dolphins crossover episode. But I think that seems about right right now. I mean, especially if the Chargers can get some guys, I might pick them to lose by more than three points. We'll see how it goes. But the great thing about bet on lines is not just, you know, the over unders It's not just the score. You can also bet on the best props. Like which team will get the first, be the first one to 10 points. Will there be overtime in the game? Will both teams get to 19 points? There's so many different ways you can bet at bet online. And for me, I'm kind of a weirdo and I want to have all the weird kind of bets and prop bets and things like that. Those are my favorite kind. So make sure you guys check out BetOnline. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more at BetOnline, where the game starts. Continuing this Chargers mailbag here, David, we do have to get into one of our friends who called into the show today, one of our favorite friends that we love to hear from. So we do have a voicemail from Atiyah, who has a couple of questions, a two-part question for us on today's Chargers Mailbag episode. Hi, well,
1: a- Dan. Hi, David. Good morning. This is Ettier. Okay, I have a question. It's a two-part question. The first question is, which loss was bigger, Slater or Bolson? And my second part of this question is, more likely coach staley will do in the offseason. and hiring entire, entire new staff on offense, or just the offensive coordinator please let me know thank you, you guys i love the show i love to hear my name i appreciate
0: it. totally but bosa or lindsay i mean i think it's a conversation for both bosa or slater that one's a little bit different because i think both those guys are obviously gigantic who would you go with, David? I mean, who do you think is more most important at this point? Do you think it's Rashawn Slater? Obviously, we've seen how much they've missed in this year. Do you think it's Joey Bosa?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not Rashawn Slater. And the reason why is because the drop-off is not as cavernous as the Grand Canyon drop-off between Joey Bosa and who has been backing up and playing in his stead. And that's the reason why. And you look at Jamari Sawyer. Jamari Sawyer has played very admirably in Rashawn Slater's stead. Four sacks, 28 pressures given up, and 448 pass-blocking snaps. That's only one pressure every 16 pass-blocking snaps and only one sack every 112 pass-blocking snaps. So he's played extremely well, especially for a six-round pick. Unfortunately, when you go to Joey Bosa's backups, they have done nothing. And it's really because they can't get after the quarterback They cannot seal the edge. Joey Bosa is such a dominant run defender as well as one of the best pass rushers in the league. And the drop-off is just incredibly insane. And that's why, to me, it's not really even a debate. Joey Bosa is the most important person that has been missing from this team. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know,
0: Joey Bosa is definitely more important than either one of Corey Lindsley or Rashawn Slater individually. Because I think if you told me, hey, you know, the Chargers are going to have Rashawn Slater all season but then you're also going to have Will Clapp right or you're going to have Corey Lindsley all season or you're going to but you're going to have you know just Jamari You're really to worry about on the left side and then you know Trey Pipkins is healthy like it's one part of the offensive line and you're missing multiple parts of it so I think with Joey Bosa he covers up way more on the defensive line just by himself than one offensive line because I think the Chargers offensive line would be fine if they had you know Four of their five starters available to them, I don't think you'd see the massive drop-off that we've seen from this offense or see it be as frustrated as it is. We have seen how much his Chargers defense misses Joey Bosa. Would he fix everything? Absolutely not. But you're right. The gap between him and Derek Tiska, right, or Kyle Van Noor, or Chris Frump, I mean, it's huge. It's hurt them in the running game. It's hurt them being able to stop the pass. It's hurt the production of Khalil Mack. There's just such a ripple effect from missing Joey Bosa, which is why yesterday we're talking about how much of a need you need how much of a need you have at edge rusher and why that has to be addressed with really high resources next year, right? Top resources probably yeah, because you need to build for the future there and you need just better depth behind two guys who have been hurt the last couple of years in Cleo Mack and Joey Bosa. But the other part of it to your question I think is worth getting into as well, David, and I think it's pretty simple to me. I mean, if you're going to get rid of Joe Lombardi, turn over every stone. Do anything you have to do on the coaching staff. If it means replacing Shane Day, you replace Shane Day, but I think you go into this offseason if you're going to try to make a change offensively, if you want to reevaluate how you want to build an offense around Justin Herbert, which I think they absolutely should, you turn over every stone. I, I don't think Shane Day has done a terrible job as quarterbacks coach, and it can be kind of hard to realize who's doing yeah, what. Do there quantify
1: that right? Exactly,
0: yeah. it is hard to quantify, but at the same time, if you're not doing your due diligence and turning over every stone, and at least considering on both sides right offensively and defensively joe lombardi makes a lot more sense but i even talked about you know defensive coordinator these the secondary coach all of these guys should be looked at and evaluated and potentially replaced if you think there's a better option out there
1: absolutely and 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 the head coach brandon staley has to have the humility to be able to look at his defensive unit and know that it didn't play anywhere close to the expectation that it had this year not against the pass not against the run i mean this was a guy who has It was tabbed as a defensive genius that had had the number one defense in the NFL, and we have not seen any remnants of that whatsoever from the Chargers. And then, of course, on offense, the question you have to ask yourself is, is am I getting the most out of Justin Herbert? Am I putting him, him in the best positions for him to go out there and help the Chargers succeed And for him to succeed, and I think that you can honestly look at that and say there is no way that the Chargers have put Justin Herbert in the best position for them to be successful as a franchise. So you're right. They should be looking at every single aspect, both on offense and defense. Special teams has been great. They can leave that completely alone. But on offense and defense, there should be some very deep inner reflection on both sides of the ball.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's not to excuse the defense at all, either, because the defense is terrible, and it's going to be a major problem, and it has some major holes that they have to get figured out next year, too. yeah. Right? And, I mean, coaching-wise, trying to find a better way to implement a defense that actually works, because the one they're doing right now does not work. No. And some of the biggest players who are struggling are players that Brandon Staley inherited, right? Guys having a tough time tackling Nazir Adler, Kenneth Murray, guys like that. Jerry Tillery was another one of those guys who fits that description, but he got a lot of the guys that he wanted. And I think that's why it's so frustrating seeing the Chargers defense actually somehow be worse in 2022 than they were in 2021, which brings us to our next Twitter question here from Alec Bro, who asked, why haven't we been able to stop the run all season? Well, David, where do you begin?
1: Yeah. Well, I begin at the edge rushers, um, and and it's really them running the opposite side of Khalil Mack because I mean Khalil Mack's doing still doing a, a pretty good job against the run, and that's kind of been his, part of his his M.O. as a player. But they're seeing where Mack is, and then they're running to the other side, and then it's also the linebacker play, the misalignment, uh, the inability to get any kind of penetration. Um, and the biggest one is the the missed tackles. And, and this is from Nick, Nick Cothrill here. According to PFF, the Chargers defense has been tallied with 117 missed tackles this season, which is tied for fifth worst in the NFL. And of course, that's Nick Cothrill of Sports Illustrated, by the way. But yeah, that is just abysmal. It's It's awful. And honestly, one of the biggest reasons why the Chargers have had such a bad, bad defense this year.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a huge part of it. I mean, I think some of it has been stubbornness as well. I do think sure. that, you know, Brand Saley has tried some different lineups, right? He's put out some six-man defensive fronts. Like, we've seen him try to change things, but there's still too many times where you're seeing, like, a third and two and you're going in, like, a nickel formation, right, with dudes who yeah. just can't stop the run up there. But there is no one answer. I mean, for a lot of the season, when they had Austin Johnson, Sebastian Joseph Day, Joey Bosa, the, it was easier to kind of pin it on, okay, just the linebackers, just the secondary not being able to tackle. But with the, you know, Austin Johnson getting hurt, Sebastian Joseph Day getting hurt, Christian Covington getting hurt, the other players that charge the fact getting hurt, it's really on every level now. I mean, it's poor poor alignments, lack of physicality, not filling gaps correctly because filling in the run gaps is so huge. Terrible play outside of Derwin James in the secondary at safety and coming up in run support. That has been bad. Terrible run defense on the edge linebackers running into blocks like it's just so many different things yeah. a lot of it is I mean coaching too and, and the coaching not getting through as far as where these players are supposed to be some of it is effort wise we've seen some terrible effort in players trying to make tackles especially near the goal line there's a lot yeah. of different ways to go it is devastating though so to hear brand Steeley we just talk about the philosophy you know can be frustrating at times oh well you know we're, we're built to stop the pass it's like the running game is absolutely killing them and crushing them even after you right. got the guys. How long can you subscribe
1: year? to that philosophy until you realize that this run uh, run run defense is killing you and preventing sure. you from getting into those premium pass defense looks like? How long is it right. going to take for that to hit you on the head?
0: And the problem is, is if it's just the run defense, you can probably somehow get around it if you're still yeah. taking the ball away, if you're still getting a lot of pressure. Right. But they're getting then, no pressure either. So yeah. even when they are Fair getting enough. the run stop, they get into third and longs and they're getting beat anyways because the players aren't getting home. Which makes you want to rip your hair out. 100%. And, like, I mean, somebody brought up a good point to us talking about the episode yesterday where they're saying, hey, they're not using Quigel Mac the right way too, right? I mean, in run defense, obviously, he can still be solid. But them doing so many twists and stunts and things like that and things that are taking longer to develop, I think, have hurt them especially yeah. when Khalil Max specialty is the bull rush, All right? So shout out to whoever commented that, uh, commented that on today's special I agree with that. Uh, yeah, it was a really, really good point that didn't make it into the conversation yesterday. But you guys are going to want to make sure that you hear what David has to say right now. Go ahead, David. <laughs> you what? had something. Oh, I thought you had something to say. You put
1: me on the spot and I was I not re-
0: <laughs> All Oh, good. Anyways, but that is going to wrap things up for today's show. Make sure you guys are here tomorrow, though, for... By the crossover event of this season, Locked On Chargers, Locked On Dolphins with Kyle Krabs, who does a ton of work and is everywhere around the NFL. It's going to be great to hear his insight on this matchup, Justin Herbert versus Tua Tonga Bailoa. This is something that is going to be lighting the internet on fire over the next few days. So I'm very excited for the matchup. I think it's going to be great to see him. Excited to hear his perspective on it. So make sure you don't miss it. Go subscribe to the Locked On Chargers YouTube channel and also follow the show for free on all platforms, wherever you get your podcast from. If you guys want to get in on the next Chargers mailbag episode, you can hit us up on Twitter at L A C. You can hit me up on Twitter at DanTalkSports, and David Droegemeyer's DMs are always open at SD as well. You can also leave a comment on our Instagram at Locked on Chargers or on our Locked on Chargers Facebook page. If you guys want to call in like a tear and get your voice on the show and hear your name, you can call in at 323-524-7924, and we try to get as many Chargers voicemails as we can on the show. If you keep it short, you ask a question, it's 30 seconds. We'll have a good chance of getting on the show. But tomorrow, guys, crossover Thursday, locked on Chargers, locked on Dolphins. Make sure you guys don't miss it. It's going to be a great conversation. But until then, take it easy and go Bulls.